Podcast. Presented by XFL2K.com. With your host, Tron Hawkins. Welcome to This is the XFL Podcast. I am your host, Tron Hawkins, and we finally made it and got through it. Week one just got done yesterday, and what a week it was. I think the XFL knocked it clean out of the park with these four games. They each had their own little wrinkle. Uh, each one of them had their own kind of story uh, during the game. Amazing games, all, all four of them. Even the, even the blowouts was interesting. Uh, some surprises, which we'll get about. Um, I went 3-1 and one on my last week's picks on the podcast. Um, I recorded on a Monday last week. Didn't know that Josh Johnson was going to be out for L.A. Or what I put, or what I would have picked Houston. Um, on our live stream on XFL Newsroom's YouTube page, I actually picked Houston. So I went 4-0 and on there, but for continuality's sake, <laughs> I, I'll say I'm 3-1. and So I went 3-1 and last week, including my upset pick, which we'll get to last on this episode. But first, let's talk about Seattle at D.C. This game was a lot closer than I think people thought it was going to be. Uh, DC, uh, I'm sorry, Seattle hung in there, but DC finally pulled away late. They ended up winning 31 to 19. But I think that Seattle could have won this game. It went for two big defensive plays by the defenders. Seattle and then would have been tied. It would have been 19 19. Seattle came out hot. Brandon Silver's throwing a touchdown. Uh, Austin Prohl looked amazing. He might be the best receiver on that team. But Shocker, the defenders have a good defense. <laughs> Cardell Jones, he did uh, pretty pretty, pretty damn well for himself in this game. He was 16 for 26 for 235 yards and two touchdowns. His highest rank, his receiver that got the most love was actually Eli Rogers, 6 for 73. Uh, on the other side, you had Brandon Silvers. He was 21 for 40, 217 yards, three touchdowns and the two picks. Austin Prohl led the team with 10 targets. Five catches for 88 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, a couple things, even though Jacon Gardner was the starter, uh, Kenneth Farrell actually had the most yards of 41 for the Dragons. Jarrell Presley really didn't get a lot off the, you know, he didn't get a lot of running room in this game. Um, he ran the ball 12 times for 31 yards, but his longest was 14. So he got bottled up. He only averaged 2.6 yards per carry. And then B.J. Daniels came in for like a play for Seattle because Brandon Silver got hurt. Uh, Seattle's got a lot to build on. I think that Brandon Silvers didn't look all that great. He probably had one of the worst quarterback performances. Not the worst, but one of them of the weekend. Cardell Jones, you got to remember, this is only like his 12th start uh, since high school. So he's still undefeated, though. He hasn't lost yet um, as a starting quarterback since high school. We'll see about that when they play the Guardians next week. We'll talk about that on Friday's show. D.C. got did just enough to get the job done. Their defense saved them a good bit. I actually think Seattle, and we'll talk about this in the rankings. I'm not going to do power rankings anymore. We're going to do college-style rankings. I think Seattle might be the best of the losing teams for week one. It's a week-to-week fluid situation. D.C., though, went in there, got the job done. I thought they were going to go in there and stomp Seattle, honestly. I thought they was going to um, curve stomp them, but they didn't. I mean, 31-19, 12-point win. A win's a win, but it's a lot closer than that at the end of the day. Let's look at the team stats right quick. The Dragons actually out gained in 310 yards to 295, 64 offensive plays to 56. However, DC actually led yards per play 5.3 to 4.8. Here's an interesting fact Seattle actually had 19 first downs to 13, but the biggest side of the game was actually the turnovers. Seattle had three turnovers, the DC's none, and that was the difference maker. 
DC wins 31-19. They host the Guardians week two, while Seattle gets their first home game in a raucous crowd against the Vipers. Uh, Snakes against Dragons week two. We're going to get to the Vipers here in a little bit. What a game, though. What a way to kick it off. 17,000 people in the crowd. I think it was better than we thought it would be. Uh, I was kind of worried that Seattle was going to get blown out by D.C., but they kept it competitive. If one or two things would have went different, Seattle would have shocked everybody and would have beat D.C., but D.C. shows that they're a champion contender out in the East. Let's see what the defenders head coach, Pep Hamilton, said about the game. It sounds cliche, but it was the day. We owe this victory to the fans. When we got close to bend or break situations, they kept us upright. They were loud from the start to finish and gave us the energy we needed to finish the job and get the victory. I love that crowd. People dressed up like knots and stuff. It was wonderful. Rashad Ross said, coming into the game, uh, coming into the team late and trying to learn the playbook, honestly, I was a bit iffy on it. I knew that not starting had to do with still learning the playbook. So coming in, I didn't know how much time I was expected to get. But last minute, Coach pulled me aside and said, you are a pro. I expect you to pick it up, go out there, and get it done. You're starting, and the results speak for itself. He did have a touchdown. People performers for the Dragons was Austin Prohl, 10 targets from Silvers, catching five for 88 and finding the end zone twice, including a 57-yard catch and run. It was a beautiful play. Seattle was toe-to-toe with D.C. Every time D.C. would score, they had an answer. It was like a heavyweight fight. They went back and forth. Brandon Silvers' day was marred by two interceptions, including one return for TD, but the 25-year-old showcased spurts of brilliance in his three-TD day for the defenders. Uh, Cordell Jones, like I said, 235 yards, two touchdowns. Eli Rogers uh, was a good safety valve. He caught all six of his targets. Jameer Thurman was all of the field recording eight tackles, including six solos and a tackle for loss and two defenses. Pa- uh, two passes defensed. The Dragons in defeat said, uh, Jim Zorn said, a few errors can really affect the game and we have to overcome those. And Austin Pro said, it's definitely different after you score a touchdown or make a big play. It's fun to go over and celebrate with your teammates. It's, you're not really expected to have cameras. It's definitely a new thing, but I think it's a good addition to the league. It makes it fun. It brings everybody together. Talking about how everybody was getting interviewed. I thought it was funny. The, um, I think it was Seattle's kicker. Correct me if I'm wrong. Made a field goal, and then when he missed, nobody interviewed him. But after he missed it, they went over there and started talking to him. Uh, so it's funny. He's like, well, you know, why didn't you interview me when I made the the good made the good field goal? Give me give me more of this kind of game. This was a good game. It's close throughout. It's like a heavyweight fight, but the better team prevailed in the end, pulling away. But Seattle showed me that there is something there, and they're not the worst team in the league like I thought they were. Now let's talk about the game I was <laughs> I was wrong, and that was the Roughnecks beating LA Wildcats, 37 to 17. It was 17-12 at one point at Los Angeles. And I was kind of shocked because Josh Johnson was out. Chad Kenoff was in. The backup there was up 17-12. And then 25 and answer points later, here comes, you know, the Roughnecks. P.J. Walker had four touchdowns and 272 yards passing. He was phenomenal. Pulling off some P.J. Magic. He might be the MVP candidate. And, 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 and that's not – I know the ref was saying that, and he's like, you know, I thought he was just kidding when he said P.J. Walker could be a big stud. A lot of people wanted Connor Cook, but I think they made the right decision starting P.J. Walker. They just exploded, had the best offensive showing of any team week one, but they've been together for a while. So look at some of the stats for this game. Again, it was just a beatdown in the second half. It was 17-12 at one point in L.A., and I was like, oh, my God, L.A.'s going to do this with a backup quarterback, and then they just kind of went downhill. So... They outgained the Roughnecks uh, 315 net yards to 291. Wildcats actually ran 74 plays to only 56 of the Roughnecks, but that's called the Roughnecks, which scoring a lot. Uh, 5.6 yards per play. And then you had on offense, this is where it got interesting. 
Philip Walker, 23 of 39, 272 yards, four touchdowns, one pick. Kunoff, 21 of 40 for 214 yards, one pick, one interception. And you had McClendon with only uh, four attempts, but one was an interception. Elijah Hood only went for 12 for 43. The surprise play of the game was Butler, the running back. He had nine carries, 30 yards, and a touchdown. And then he also caught two passes for 20 yards and another touchdown. Butler was amazing. They had themselves a pretty good team. The guy who surprised me the most was Cam Phillips. Uh, I think he's going to be no one receiver for them, even though they have Lewis and Coates there. Phillips had four catches, 67 yards, and a touchdown, including a 50 yards bomb right at the beginning of the game. Then you had Lewis, 5 for 45, and a touchdown. And then Mobley had one catch, 39 yards, and a touchdown. And then you had Sammy Coates. He only caught two of nine targets for 26 yards. Kind of a disappointing game for him. But when the quarterback throws for four different touchdowns, four touchdowns on to four different receivers, I mean, what? I mean, you're going to win most of the time. The best player to me on L.A. was Nelson Spruce. He had 11 catches for 103 yards. Looked amazing out there, like a little Wes Welker. Just, but, but it was just, it just wasn't enough. Wasn't enough to get it done. As the last one, two, three, four, five, six scores was by Houston, and that's never going to get it done when you don't stop them any at all. Everybody thought the L.A. defense was going to be good. They was awful. Gave it 37 points. They're so bad that. Pepper Johnson got fired today by um, Coach Moss. And, and and people think Coach Moss is a crazy person. Because not only that, he cut Anthony Johnson, his best defensive player. And he was a team captain. So we don't know what he's doing in L.A. Roughnecks beat him so bad that they're just out here just becoming a dumpster fire in front of our eyes. It worries me about L.A. It worries me about the market. And it worries me what L.A. is going to do. I mean, they're trading away you know, some of their best players. And it just don't make no sense what they're doing out there. Roughnecks, though, look like the team to beat. L.A. looks like the team that's going to get beat up on. Uh, I just don't know what's going on in L.A. It's, it's just a dumpster fire. I mean, L- Houston's one of the better teams in the league, so there's no there's nothing wrong with losing to Houston. But there's something going on that is went off in Coach Monster's mind when they got beat 37-17. I mean, maybe it's because it's on Fox. National television, week one, they get punts in the mouth. I just don't understand... What is going on with them? I thought they were going to be one of the better teams in the league. There's number one in my power rankings, and I look retarded. <laughs> I'm sorry. I look stupid now for even thinking that. I mean, that leading receiver, other than Nelson Spruce, was Smallwood, 3 for 28. Uh, and you had Brandon Barnes, 2 for 31. So the offense didn't do nothing. Their defense didn't do nothing. I mean, they scored 17 points, but it was 17-12, and then it was just it was just over. Houston just ran away with a high-powered offense. Phillip Walker... Is a new segment on the show. Philip Walker is my exceptional player of the week. It was either him or Cardell Jones, but to me, Houston, they won because of him. Cardell won because of the defense. So, my exceptional player of the week, Mr. PJ Little Philip Walker, walking down the street, destroying the Wildcats so bad that they just fire every coast they are. Houston goes to St. Uh, Houston hosts the St. Louis next week, which is my game of the week next week. The St. Louis Battlehawks at Houston. We'll talk about St. Louis here in just a few minutes. Again, 37-17, the Roughnecks just destroy the Wildcats. Coach Jones said about the game, we did what we needed to do. We played pretty fast. LA had more plays than we did, but it was all positive in the second half. We could have certainly had more points by the end of the game. P.J. Walker said the game was different just being out there. I thought I did well. Got to be better. Trust my eyes. The two-a-days really paid off. He only had one interception, four touchdowns. 
and he says he's going to get better, the league's in trouble. <laughs> Philip Walker could be the Tommy Maddox of this league. The Saturday game. Philip Walker, two for 23 for 39, four touchdowns, 272 total yards. Peak performances for L.A. Nelson Spruce, as I was talking about, 11 catches on 15 targets for 103 yards. Uh, he's actually the first 100-yard receiver in XFL history. Charles, Charles Kenoff found the end zone twice, including one on the ground, while being pressed into, into a starting for injured Josh Johnson, who will be out this week as well. The spot being replaced by Jalen McKinnon twice, including once after he took a big hit. Kenoff kept the Wildcats within reach into the third quarter. For the Roughnecks, Walker still the show, it says. He had athleticism and escape in the pocket. He had a couple great just escapes for touchdowns. Uh, James Butler, as I talked about, featured with a pair of successful red zone opportunities, including on a 16-yard catch and a four-yard run. And June Jones running shoot offense to agile, multidimensional 24-year-old who was in Oakland Raiders camp. Could carve out a steady role in the crowded backfield. He's going to be amazing, I feel like. Uh, two defensive standouts for the game is Dietrich Nichols. Flew across field for interception, two passes defense, and a sack. And, of course, Connie Ely hit quarterbacks five times, including half a sack. Connie Ely was just always back in the backfield. In defeat, the Wildcats said, uh, Watch Moss, this is our first test. We failed. I'm going to get on that plane. I'm going to find guys who want to play ball and hate losing as much as I do. Losing drove him insane. Uh, there's a lot of little things we can clean up. What we saw today is the after-touchdown conversions will play a big part in the game. It's in Nelson Spruce. They make a big difference. We're going to see what happens. Uh, L.A. plays another team that's reeling in Dallas. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I don't like their chances against Dallas. A little preview to Friday. L.A. could end up being the worst team in the league, and that's sad considering all the, uh, all the talent they had to begin with. Something's going on up there, and I'm sure it will slowly spiral out of control until their last place in the West. Seattle might be a better team than them. We'll be right back talking about Sunday's games. The first of the Sunday games was the Tampa Bay Vipers going to the New York Guardians. I said on my last podcast, the week one preview, I don't trust Aaron Murray. The Guardian defense is good. That's kind of what it looked like. Now, what I'm wondering is, is the Guardians defense really as good as we think it is, or is Tampa Bay's offense just crap? I don't know what Chessman was thinking, switching in and out. Murray and Quentin Flowers there in the second half. I like Clinton Flowers had more of a uh, more of a niche for the offense there. Like he was giving them a little spark, but that kind of just went downhill uh, when Aaron Murray got in. I mean, at one point it was 3rd and 12. They put Murray back in because he has a stronger arm, and he gets sacked. Now, looking at the scores, 23-3, Guardians win. You would think the Guardians defense just shut them down, and that's not really the case. Net yards, the Vipers outgained them 394 to 226. Guardians had a defensive touchdown and a beautiful fumble recovery touchdown they got withheld uh, by replay officials. So let's look at some stats for this game. Matt McGloin wasn't too great. Uh, 15 to 29, 182 yards and one touchdown, but he was a game manager, let the defense all the, do all the work. But he also had a rushing touchdown, three rushes for two yards. Aaron Murray, though, 634, two interceptions. For only 231 yards, Clinton Flowers, one of two for 37. He ran the ball. Clinton Flowers had five carries for 34 yards. Chris Patrick had eight for 32. Then you had uh, Smith, who is the bell cow. He had 16 carries for 79 yards. The leading receiver was Williams, six for 123. Truesdale, three for 49. He also had two fumbles. Tolliver had eight targets, three catches, 47 yards. And then Reese Horn had three for 42. This was a good game. It was just one of those things. It was a, it was a good game for a few minutes, and then you can kind of just tell that the Vipers just won't get anything going. They went for a field goal when they was down, I think, 17 nothing. 
they should have, or 18 nothing. It was 17 nothing. Yeah, 17 nothing. They went for a field goal when they could have just, in, in red zone. I mean, they was close to scoring with like halfway through the third quarter. Desperate times. You know, I think he thought he was still playing NFL or CFL. You can get a conversion. 17 points is a two t- touchdown game. But instead, he went for the field goals. He had to get two more possessions, and they just couldn't get nothing going. Then the Guardians get the scoop and score. They go up 23 to 3. And, and that's about, you know, that's about all there was for this game. For the Guardians, Darius Victor looked good, nine carries, 32 yards. Cook had four carries of 10 yards. The starters in these games didn't really get the volume that you would think normal starters would in any of these games. Uh, Mikael McKay had three catches, 58 yards. Uh, Pearson had two catches, 44 yards, and a touchdown, a beautiful touchdown on some failed coverage by the Boppers. I just don't know what Chessman's going to do at quarterback. We'll talk about it this coming up Friday. We'll go over the game preview between them and the Dragons, two teams that's kind of reeling a little bit. But the Vipers, I've been preaching all along that they're the worst team in the league. Everybody was on the bandwagon. They was one of the favorites to win the championship. And the Guardians went up there and just punched them in the mouth. And they guarded their home with a 23-3 win. Let's talk about the Guardians here for a minute. Kevin Gilbert, I said, I tip my hat to the effort and the way the defense played today. Matt McGloin said, offensively, there's a lot of flashes of how good we could be. We are really close to taking that next step. It's always good to win, especially at home. Start of the game. Three turnovers to none. Again, turnovers became a it was a big deal in the DC game, and then it was a big deal in this game. Aaron Murray's two interception tosses and the Summers fumble return that turned into a touchdown stalled the drive. Also, another big another big uh, stat of this game: five sacks for the Guardians, none for the Vipers. Even though the offense didn't do great for the Guardians, they did just enough to win, and that defense dominated. That defense is going to go to DC and play Cardell Johnson to finish what's going to be one of the great games of the week. Two great games next week. Uh, between the four teams that won this week. Next week, it's crazy. All the winless teams play each other. All the win teams that won this week play each other. We're going to talk about that Friday. Cannot wait. Peak performances of the game. The Vipers, Davion Smith, averaged 4.9 yards a carry, 16 carries, 79 yards. Aaron Murray and Quentin Flowers alternated work on the sender. Wideout Daniel Jones, however, was a constant focus. Reds 123 receiving yards while bringing in six of nine targets. Averaging 20.5 yards a catch. Guardians, while Summers got most of the pub because of his touchdown, New York defensive end Bumni Rotimi Jr. cleaned up, resting nine tackles, seven of them solo with a sack and two QB hits and a forced fumble. But following McKay's big play to open up things, Kobe Pearson fought through the cornerback at the line of scrimmage to start a double move and bring in a crucial first-half touchdown. Viper said, Trestman, when you have over 400 yards of offense and you come up with three points, you play is just not acceptable. We kept our defense on the field too long. The Guardians just wear them out. Aaron Murray said, if you turn over the ball three times and the other team doesn't turn over, it's simple. We drive down there, get to about the five-yard line, and a bad play by me throwing it up. Should have just thrown that one away. We had four or five tries in the red zone and came up with no points. Yeah, every time they had something going, something happened. The Guardians defense, red zone defense, was amazing. There's not a whole lot to talk about this game. It's just total domination by the Guardians defense. They're one of the teams that beat in the East. Like I said, the Vipers just kind of seem overrated a little bit. Guardians, though, their defense, what I thought they would be. They beat the Vipers 23-3. Cannot wait to see these two teams next week and see if the Guardians keep the momentum going and the Vipers can do anything against the Seattle Dragons. Next was the game I was most proud to get right. The St. Louis Battlehawks pull off a huge upset against Dallas 15-9. A little bit of spoiler. Uh, my DVR wouldn't let me go back to the beginning, so I started about halfway through the second quarter. And score was 0-0, zero zero, so I wasn't too worried about it. I was like, oh my god, St. Louis is in this game. Jordan Tomu actually looked halfway decent. 
in the second half running the ball and passing. He's going to be a dual threat. But it's going to be amazing, I think, in this league. I know he's a rookie, but if he can just get the right the right flow going, he might be unstoppable as a, a, a mobile quarterback. He might be the most mobile, mobile quarterback in this league. Excuse me. But he went out there in Dallas. He went to Dallas and beat Bob Stoops. This game was on ESPN because Bob Stoops was in it. And here he comes in here. Did just enough to win the game. But that Battlehawks defense is what I talked about um, on my podcast. I also talked about it on the week one preview on XFL Newsroom's YouTube. Check it out. That defense is legit out there. And I said, with Nelson being quarterback and all these other injuries they had going with Jazz Ferguson played, Lance Dunbar played, that I think this Battlehawks team was going to shut them down. And they did. That defense shut down the Dallas Renegades. Me, I'm not a Battlehawks fan. Even though my fantasy team name is Vettel Hawkins, copyright. I'm not a fan. I'm a fan of the league, so I like all the teams. But I think I was the only non-St. Louis native that thought Dallas was going to lose to them. I just thought the defense was there. They ran the ball really, really well, and they did just enough on offense and defense to win this game. Let's look at some of the stats. Jordan Tommy, 20 for 27, 209 yards, one touchdown. He also ran nine times for 77 yards. Keith Ford had the touchdown for the Battle Hawks. Four carries, 26 yards, and a touchdown. The most disappointing player was Christine Michael, seven carries for no yards. The receiving core actually did really good for the Battle Hawks when needed. Uh, Pearson L, four catches for 64 yards. He's kind of like the, uh, the slot guy. Russell had three catches, 49 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Lucas had four catches, 40 yards. Uh, uh, Washington had five catches, 20 yards. But they did just enough to beat the Renegades, and a lot of it was Philip Nelson. He looked lost out there. He looked like he was kind of anxious a lot of times. I mean, he threw 30 – he completed 33 passes for 209 yards. Right? Uh, He was kind of captain check down. And I don't know how much that is him or how much is that is St. Louis defense – but you have to think if Landry Jones is not health, if he wasn't going to be playing week two, he is now. Because they can't go down 0-2. I mean, they play L.A., so I doubt L.A.'s going to beat them. But they have to speed that up. Landry Jones been in here. I think this has been a different game. Battlehawks, though, they took advantage of the situation. Gets a big first win for St. Louis. I was I, I shocked myself that I actually got that one right. I kind of seen it being a low-scoring, ugly game, and it was. It was a ugly slugfest. It was the ugliest game of the weekend, but it was, it was the most entertaining game kind of in a way because you didn't know which way it was going to go until the very end. But uh, Philip Nelson threw a – the interception came at the very end of the game. Their receivers didn't do much. Um, Lance Dunbar had six catches, 29 yards. He's doing his thing. He got to rest five times for 27. Cameron R. Payne, just like Christine Michael, didn't do a whole lot. Two carries with six yards. No touchdowns. This team is the favorite to win the XFL championship with no touchdowns. The two top favorites, Dallas, Tampa, zero touchdowns. Vegas don't know like we don't know. N- nobody knows. Nobody knows what's going to happen in this league. We thought we knew what might happen, and we was wrong. I mean, who thought Houston was going to come out there and just curb stomp L.A. into a tailspin where L.A. is going to be a totally different team next week against Dallas? Nobody. Who thought St. Louis was going to be Dallas? Even with Phillip Nelson, nobody picked them other than St. Louis fans and me. Nagel had six catches, 43 yards. Martino had one catch for 11. He was a big, he was a big, big deal. Jeff Odette, three catches, six yards. He was a first-round pick. Kevin Arch Payne, four catches, 13 yards. 
Dallas just didn't get in sync against this defense. This defense is legit. I told everybody it was legit. We talked about how big their defensive, how big their defense guys are. Uh, Battlehawks actually outgained them 374 yards, 267. It was just, it was just a, a ugly game with the Battlehawks got the touchdown. That's, I mean, that's what happened. What's what the Battlehawks said about the game? Jonathan Hayes said it was a struggle. Guys fought really hard. Defense played really well. Offense ran the ball when we needed to. And that set the tone for the game. I think that carried us, uh, carried through late in the game for us. Uh, Kenny Robinson, his first professional game, said it felt good to be back on the field. It felt really good to finally tackle somebody. Everybody was flying for the ball, and we found ourselves. We found our defensive identity, which is just be quick and get to the guys quick. The stat of the game is third down efficiency. 50% for the Battle Hawks, 6 of 12. And then you had 10% for the Renegades, 1 for 10. Says the Renegades, meager third down conversion percentage, stalled drives despite quarterback Philip Nelson's odd day. He went 33 for 42, 78.6% uh, through the air, but failed to challenge downfield, amassing just 209 yards and taking four sacks. See, like I talked about in my preview show, St. Louis was able to run the ball, keep the clock running, sustain drives, and Dallas just couldn't. Peak performers, Tommy led the way for the Battle Hawks, the combination of the air and ground that kept the defenders for the Renegades guessing. He was also a threat. He, he, he was 20 to 27 yards passing, and he also ran for 77 yards on nine attempts. Matt Jones ran for 85 yards on 21 carries, repeatedly taking chunks of yards out of the Dallas defense. Running is not going to be a huge deal in this league. That's the thing. You, they're not going to be a 1,000-yard rusher in this league, if I'm being honest. I don't think they are. Or, I mean, I guess in 10 games it would be kind of hard to have 100 yards a game, but there's not going to be a high-end rusher. Battlehawks defense showed up and showed out throughout the game on Sunday. It says Darius Hillary, quarter, cornerback, had eight solo tackles and a, an assisted tackle for nine total. Not to be outdone, linebacker Terrence Garvin, who's amazing, had nine combined tackles and a sack. Renegade's five foot eleven wide receiver Flynn Nagel grabbed six, all six of his targets for 43 total yards, giving Nelson a checkdown option. Kicker Austin McGinnis was three for three on field goals, striking from 32, 42, and 23. Uh, he was the only person to score for Dallas. Cut uh, Boston said it was a tight game, really throughout the uh, really the entire way, and they made a few more plays than we did out out there at the end. Overall, I thought defensively we had did a great job keeping us in there, but I thought we gave up a couple of big plays. Lance Dombard said it's a great football environment. This is something new, a spring league. The fans came out and supported us, and it was really exciting. We didn't win the game tonight, but things will get better and find a way to win the next one. They have to get Landry Jones back. That's the only way they're going to win next week against L.A. Uh, I take that back. I think they can win uh, without Landry against L.A. L.A.'s a dumpster fire. I don't know how many more times I need to repeat that. L.A.'s in trouble, guys. <laughs> All right. Let's do my rankings like quick. Uh, like I said before, I am going to do it college style. If you lose at the bottom end, if you win at the top end. Number eight is the – guess who? Guess. Guess. It's the L.A. Wildcats. Their team is on a downward spiral. A lot of people like, in code, small, sweet trust. Y'all should not trust him. I think he has too much control. I know that sounds weird. But something's going on there. He's cutting guys, resigning them, cutting team captains, firing defense coordinators after one game. Something is wrong there. The Vipers come in at number seven. You score three points. You get in the red zone that many times, score three points, even against a good defense. If you make it to the red zone that many times, you have a crap load yards. But the only thing you show for it is one measly field goal. Vipers at number seven. Number six, John Shocks people, the Dallas Renegades. Again, same thing, nine points. You had this great offensive group. In, even though without Landry Jones, Philip Nelson has a good enough group where he should just 
have come in there and just stepped right in for him. He's been there since day one. He and he and they knew they knew that the chances are Lance Jones was going to play week one. Philip Nelson should have been more ready than he was. They come in at number six. Number five, the best of the losing teams, the Seattle Dragons. There was a couple of turnovers away. Brandon Sibbers made a couple more throws. They would have shocked the world and beat D.C. And they to beat D.C., the Dallas upset wouldn't have been that big of a deal. I mean, it would have been, but not compared to D.C., losing to Seattle. Number four, D.C. I know that's going to shock some people, but they got lucky in this game. Their defense saved the day. Cardell Jones didn't throw any picks. But Cardell Jones is known to throw some interceptions. We'll see what he does against that New York defense come this uh, Saturday at 2 o'clock on ABC. Number three, St. Louis. I know you're thinking, St. Louis above D.C.? They went out there and beat Bob Stoops in primetime. Nobody gave him a shot. There's a nine-and-a-half point underdog, and they end up winning by a touchdown, shocking the world, put them at number three. I'm not saying they're better than defenders, but they are this week. Their win against Dallas is more impressive than their win than DC's win against Seattle. If St. Louis goes out there and beats Houston this Sunday afternoon in the game of the week, they might be my number one team next week in the rankings. Number two, the New York Guardians. They went in the they, they guarded their home field, like I said, and slowed down one of the favorites when they the XFL championship for some reason, the Vipers. They shut them down. Even when they gave up yardage, they found a way to get picks when they need it. That defense is going to be good for the Guardians to be good. I don't trust Matt McGloin as much as I thought I would, even though he's my MVP candidate. But as a game manager with that good defense, they're going to be tops in the East, I do believe. And then finally, my number one team, the Houston Roughnecks. P.J. Walker is the MVP candidate. He is going to be amazing to watch. And I get to watch him live against Seattle next month. What a game it's going to be. Phillip Walker Reminds me a little bit of Patrick Mahomes. I know there's only one Patrick Mahomes, but the way he was evading people and still making throws, throwing it 50 yards in the air with this receiving core, with his offensive scheme, and with him at quarterback, Houston is now the favorites to win the championship. They're my number one team. Eight to one. Number eight, L.A. Wildcats. Number seven, Tampa Bay Vipers. Number six, the Renegades. Number five, the Dragons. Number four, D.C. Defenders. Number three, the St. Louis Battlehawks. Number two, the New York Guardians. And number one, the Houston Roughnecks. That is my my rankings going into week two. Thank you for joining me on this episode. We finally made it to week one. Now it's on to week two. I'm doing two episodes a week. This should come out Tuesday and Friday, hopefully, if I get to watch all the games. But with DVR, I should be able to. Thank God. Don't miss these games. We're going to talk about week two coming up this Friday. It's going to be very exciting. I will make my picks for all the games. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter at XFL Podcast. Listen to me now. Every Saturday morning on Love Sport Radio over in the UK, I will be doing interviews all season long with the North American Sports Show. Super excited. Thank, uh, thank, thank them for having me. You can come find me at the Houston Tailgate Party Week 5. I think that's the next home game after this one against Seattle Dragons. I'll be doing a live podcast there with the ref from XFL Newsroom. Join our Discord. Check out XFLNewsroom.com. We have me. We have Wild Talk. We have Guard Post. We have uh, Viper Nation. We have Unhinged. We have the Fantasy Cast. We have the best group of podcasts in the XFL community together under one roof. Thank you for joining me. And for the love of podcasts and for the love of football, keep listening. Thank you.